from the studios of Teeing It Up in the Swamps of Jersey, this is Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling from Mon- uh, for Tuesday. Feels like Monday, Ryan. Tuesday, December. And I still think it's last year. January 2nd, the year 2018. It's cold. I don't need to give a temperature. It's just cold. And we welcome in from Golf News Net and Yahoo's Devil Ball Golf Blog to kick off 2018 in golf, Mr. Ryan Boundy. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, and I should add, I am uh, I'm just riding solo at Golf News Net now. Okay. Uh, the, the Yahoo era uh, actually technically ended last June in a full-time capacity, but uh, yeah, I am uh, riding solo. One, one man, one gig now. Would you like me to retroactively go back to all your appearances from that time forward and and uh, and uh, t- take you out of uh, 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 I'm sorry, take that part of the bio out? Should I retroactively edit those episodes? <laughs> no, because honestly, I didn't know how the, the whole rest of the year would play out with them because of their their merger with uh, AOL Verizon. Right. They had some budget cuts pretty much across the board. Um, yeah, that's why kind of guys like Greg Wyshynski on the hockey side left. And, right. Uh, some other guys who are very, very talented walked away. They were all victims of budget cuts. I wasn't a full-time person at Yahoo, uh, technically. Uh, I think I worked 20 hours a week. But um, that basically after the U.S. Open, they said, hey, you know, uh, we don't have any hours for you in our, in our slashed budget. Uh, yeah. Stay tuned. And then I kind of gave them to the end of the year and stopped. Staying tuned. So, uh, <laughs> here we are. There, there you go. All right. Well, speaking of golf publications, uh, we're going to start the podcast with some "Are you more surprised by questions?" Are you more surprised that we don't have Tiger's schedule yet here on on uh, January second for his first start, or that he actually agreed to do another shoot with Golf Digest with Dan Jenkins still alive? <laughs> that's, that's a pretty good question. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I I'm not too surprised that he hasn't committed to something yet. Uh, I I just kind of get the feeling he's going to play it kind of how he did a couple of years ago, where like every commitment deadline was: is he going to play? Is he going to play? Is he going to play? And he just that was a trap that he fell into, and it became annoying. But that was what what he did for yeah. their part of a couple of years. He, he may do that this year. He, he may not want to look too far in advance because I think he kind of got savaged by a lot of critics in 2017 because he had planned out a very aggressive schedule uh, leading into the Masters, basically, and only fulfilled uh, two rounds of one start and one round of another start, and then the rest was scrapped. So I think in the interest of, first, public relations, but, but second, also kind of reality, He's trying to be uh, particularly cautious in announcing a schedule. But I think from what we can gather, it seems like he has every intention of playing Riviera, whether he plays Torrey Pines or not, maybe TBD. But uh, I would tend to believe he wants to play there if he feels up to it. Are you more surprised, because we will get back to Tiger in a second. Are you more surprised that Jordan Spieth did not reveal any details about his his engagement? Um, uh, 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 sorry, to the media this evening, or the fact that a picture of the ring has even emerged in the first place? I'm I'm kind of surprised he hasn't acknowledged it. And he did today. He finally confirmed it. I'd be like, 
other, like in a, if this makes sense, a non-corporate way. Oh, okay. Like in a, I'm a, I'm a human being, something really cool happens to me, <laughs> kind of way. Uh, and th- I mean, he basically just, he was just there, and someone asked me, he said, yep. Yeah. I mean, like, here's how it works. Uh, we did it. And I, uh, I was surprised about that. It's... I, th- I thought it would be a little bit more, uh, I don't know, I just thought it would be a little bit more personal, maybe. Uh, my, my, kind of social media post or an Instagram yeah. deal or something. But, I mean, I, I, at least he acknowledged it. I mean, I, I thought it was bizarre that it went so long that he didn't. See, but I have a completely a different... People, a lot of people were left wondering if what Barstool had put out there was either fabricated or a misinterpretation of something. Yeah, so, see, I have a completely different perspective on this as you, which is... My guess is that in Jordan's head, and I don't think he's tiger-like and had talked it over with publicists or anything, but I think in his head, he wanted a nice, quiet, private engagement, and then would come to Kapalua, and when the first person would ask, you know, what's new in your life, he'd say, hey, I got engaged. That would be a very Jordan-like way of doing it, just saying, you know, hey, because he he does live a very private life away, He's, um, he's got the same friends as forever. Um, you know, he tries to, I mean, he, he has fun in public in, uh, sorry, he has fun in private, which he shares publicly when he chooses to, but he does not live, you know, the kind of Dustin Paulina, you know, posting Instagrams 10,000 times a day lifestyle. Um, so yeah. And and then I think, and then to me, and I found this hilarious that Golf Channel actually reached out to Jay Danzy looking for comment on this, um, which I thought was hilarious, is I think they just basically said, if even Jay even told Jordan that somebody actually reached out to confirm this, or if Jordan even knew that this was swirling, that there was a, you know, some kind of a prank possibility or people weren't believing it, that he was just like, Oh come on! It's the holidays. Who cares? I'll you know I'll I'll just happily talk about this you know come January. So I don't think they even sought out to confirm it because I think he had a whole plan in his head that he would just say it and let the golf media talk about it and that would naturally go viral. There's no need yeah. to to say anything like that. I do think I I would love to ask Jay Danzy. A, what was his reaction when Golf Channel inquired? And B, did he ever actually ask Jordan? Because that was hilarious. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, <laughs> it was funny. Uh, I mean, just thinking about it kind of while we're sitting here, you know, maybe Jordan had no intention of this news getting out. I mean, if it, if it took somehow... Someone leaked it, clearly. ...getting some kind of screenshot yeah. of a text or something for it to get out there, maybe Jordan just didn't want to give him the satisfaction, Barstool that is, of saying, yep, uh, I did get engaged, and you guys broke the story, like, way to go, because you, you know, someone violated his or Annie's trust by seeing the text message, right? Yeah. Um, so maybe you just didn't want to give someone a win for something that maybe they didn't earn, I guess, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, uh, that could have been part of it. And, and then, like you said, the original plan could have been to mention it once you got to Hawaii. Because then, 
obviously we're back in, into golf, and uh, he could have just mentioned it when he felt like it, and or he could have given the story to somebody. Yeah, he could have given it to, to whoever he chose, and that would have been an opportunity as well. So maybe it was all based on that. I don't. I don't know. I'm actually surprised his mom didn't post anything about it because for those who follow his mom on social media, she loves posting pictures of all her kids' happenings, and I was surprised considering how long Annie has been in her life that um, he didn't post that. All right, so... That only seems to encourage that theory, too, right? I mean, if if Jordan's mom blows it, then obviously it's blown for whoever might have gotten it or uh, whoever might have been tipped that story officially from Jordan's camp, so, so maybe there is something to that. Yeah. All right. Um, I don't know where to start, frankly, with this, um, because I think we've got a really interesting, fascinating, established storyline this year, which is we've got the class of 2011 folks, and please, for those out there who, um, who are just turning, uh, 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 sorry, tuning back in the golf, Patrick Cantlay won last year, last fall in Vegas, you were watching football, he won in Vegas, hitting a heck of a shot out of the trees that was one of the best shots of the year in the process. For me, it is the 2011 boys, JT, Jordan, Berger, Snyder, Jans, Cantlay, uh, Grillo, Shoffley, if you want to put him in that uh, class. And I'm not sure his game is is full-time up to that level, but he is a uh, part of that group. Um, (coughs) Excuse me. And then Phil... Tiger, um, for for lack of a better term, Rory, Dustin, Brooks, Zach Johnson, um, this this like slightly older group, old slash slightly older than the class of twenty eleven, and then the sandwich guys, the Rickies of the world, and, and maybe you can put Rory in that group, uh, but these guys who have been around for a while, Justin Rose. Um, these these guys who um, have just been kind of in the middle, and it's time for them to step up. Will Justin Rose get that second major? He was the hottest player all fall. Will Ricky finally get his major? Um, time's ticking on him before some of the scar tissue starts to show more. Um, I don't know. And, and, and obviously Dustin trying to right a wrong from last year when he fell down the stairs. That's how I look at this year. How do you look at it? Someone like that. Um, I think that you, know, you kind of start in with guys like, let, let's say, 27 and below. Uh, and then that's obviously Justin Thomas, Jordan Spieth, uh, this class of 2011 group, Snyder Jans to an extent, Shoffley because he won twice. I mean, that, that does merit something. Yeah. Can't lay because of his incredible move in the world ranking and finally winning one on the PGA Tour. Uh, that that was a tremendous story from last year. John Rahm certainly deserves to be in that conversation. Hideki Matsuyama's in that conversation, uh, although barely. And then you start to think about that transitional group that I think you, you kind of started to put together of Ricky and Rory, and really maybe they're it. Uh, I guess you could start thinking about guys like Tyrrell Hatton, and uh, if you want to expand the reach a little bit, you know, toward the European tour, we could Tommy Fleetwood. You know, we could do that. Maybe expand that group a little bit more to include Dustin Johnson because he's not. I mean, he's a little bit younger than I am. What a year younger than I am, so he's going to turn thirty-four this year. Um, I can't believe I'm going to turn thirty-five. <laughs> so, you know, you kind of have that group of guys that are, that feel. 
closer together in age because they're young relative to Justin Rose and Sergio Garcia and certainly still Tiger, Zach Johnson, that era. Um, there seems to be a gap, you know, to, a, a divide between the guys in their your mid to young 20s versus guys who are in their 40s or advanced 40s. And then there's kind of this group of guys that caught the tail end of Tiger, so to speak, that maybe uh, if they were in their 20s now, then they could have a chance to rack up some, could have had some majors already or more majors already in the case of Rory and Dustin. So um, I feel like there are three different kind of primary groups uh, in terms of age, but they're all extremely capable and we've kind of established this group of bombers and young, aggressive American players that seem to rally around each other and winning and getting trophies and not necessarily caring about the money and wanting to kick Europe's ass in the Ryder Cup. So uh, that, that seems to be kind of the things I'm, I'm thinking about going into this year. We just forgot somebody big, which is crazy to think about how fast this is changing. Um, can you think of who we just forgot in that whole monologue both of us just had? Not, not off the top of my head, but I'm sure as soon as you said him, go, oh, yeah, you're right. Jason Day. Yeah, I mean, he's, yeah. he's right in that kind of transitional group, too. Yeah, um, and it, it's he, crazy. I mean, all off the planet. And for half the year, everyone kind of understood why with what was happening with his mom, and we really don't know where that's at. And, and I'm curious. Uh, I mean, he's such an emotional guy, and obviously so connected to his family. Spends pretty much every waking segment he can with them. That's why they have the RV. Uh, what, what will happen to his performance after uh, Ellie's miscarriage? Um, I'm sure that's an, a very emotional experience for any parent, but for someone like Jason Day, who is an emotional guy to begin with, uh, I, I wonder what that will mean for him. And coming off a year where he, you know, let Colin Swanton go as, as his caddy and, and all the changes that have happened there, um, it, it has been a lot. Let me ask you about that. I don't think I've asked you about that since all this happened. This wave of caddy changes, which last yeah. week... Um, or on New Year's Eve, I think it was, that Brant Snedeker said that, uh, there's a nice little uh, uh, news drop, Happy New Year, um, that, uh, that uh, Scotty Vale's n- no longer his caddy. What do you make of all this? Is this guys wanting to be with their bros? Is this natural turnover? Is this a sign of something? I, I, I mean, for me, Rory, I think, could just hit a frustration point. Jason Day, I think, may look back and regret this later on. Bones and Phil, I can't explain. Um, Brant and Scotty Vale, I don't know enough about them to know. Um, And Matt Kuchar and Hunter Mahan flipped, what, two years ago now or three years ago now? So, I mean, they kind of started this, if you think back further. Yeah, I, I, I think maybe it's a combination of factors coming together and make it seem like it's, a trend because it just all seems to be happening so so much in line so frequently one after another. I guess I, I think Phil and and Bones go back to a couple of different things that we'll probably never hear the full extent of it. But there was a little bit of 
out there, but I think more of it was Bones just had double knee replacement, and you know, he's, he's a 50-year-old dude. I mean, how much longer does a guy who was along the ride for 40-some-odd PGA Tour wins and won, you know, got those at a 10% clip, how long does he need to keep doing yeah. that job of carrying a heavy bag when he knew Golf Channel was waiting right there with open arms to say, hey, man, we got, we've got a checkbook that doesn't depend on where our guys finish every week. We're going to give you guaranteed money to do something you're really good at. Yeah. And he probably jumped on that opportunity with J.P. Fitzgerald and, and Rory McIlroy. People were calling for J.P.'s head the day that they started working together. It's a miracle that it lasted that long, but Rory is incredibly loyal, and it got to the point where loyalty just didn't matter enough anymore given the results, and it wasn't J.P.'s fault that Rory blew out uh, you know, his ribs and had a back problem throughout the year, but maybe Rory just saw that as an opportunity to, to try to turn over a new leaf, and I think probably, to some extent, different players have seen that there is a, a fundamental difference in the performance of guys like Dustin Johnson, obviously working with A.J., they are not the most um, I don't know how to put it, but they're, they're not, you know, they're not working in this extremely professional context of player and caddy. They're, they're brothers. I mean, they, yeah. and they've made it work. It's not like AJ is uh, a guy who's the most meticulous uh, caddy in the world. So uh, I think that they have probably, people have probably seen, their peers have probably seen, there's a comfort level in having someone you know really well in the bag. And maybe that trumps the one shot that Tiger used to talk about per tournament that you could get for great from great caddy preparation. Yeah, and maybe you get more in return from just feeling a sense of calm throughout the throughout the tournament because it's someone you know, you've been through a lot with, who you can talk to. Maybe there's maybe there's value in that. So. Uh, there are a lot of copycat things in sports, and, and maybe this is one of those, and that's what's starting to happen a little bit with with some of these changes, with Rory sticking with Harry Diamond, with, uh, you know, Brant Snedeker, maybe he's going to try and go find a friend. I don't know. Um, but it, it is kind of, I think there are a couple of instances there that were a little bit different from one another. But generally speaking, I think if people see a certain su- subset of things working out, they are interested and maybe they want to try it for themselves. Maybe. Talking with Ryan Boundy here on Teeing It Up, previewing 2018 in golf. Um, a couple things have, have happened since we last spoke. Viewer Collins being banned. Your thoughts? I'm fine with that. Um, generally speaking, I'm fine with that because it only... It, the incidence of how often it's come into play, particularly in women's majors, has obviously gone up in the last couple of years. I'd say so. <laughs> But that you know, so it gives a, a black eye to the sport when it's like, oh well, anybody can call on a rules violation. Well, what's the point? You know, these rules are crazy. You know, it leads just down a, a conversation that golf doesn't want to have, and so they want to eliminate even the, the inkling to have that conversation. I think by eliminating the fans' ability to basically make the rules look silly or make officials look silly for not enforcing the rules in the first place on their own. There is a downside to it, of course, and that is in 
inevitably this is going to happen. We're going to see a rules violation on TV. Everyone's going to know that it happened, yep. and no one's going to do anything about it. And uh-huh. somehow it will slip by. And when the tournament is over, everyone will have noticed, or you know, it'll happen in a final round, and the, the official who's in the tour truck or the TV truck won't see it, and then everyone will have finished, and they're like, oh, well, we have to give you a penalty, and you know, it'll be something horrible. That will happen eventually. See, my... Uh, 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 sorry, Ryan. My concern isn't that. My concern is is that a violation happens. We know it. Maybe, you know, because part of what concerns some folks at Golf Channel is that they've got all these cameras out there that are shooting highlights that are for Golf Central only. It's the news of... Uh, uh, part and sometimes they show up on Golf Channel. Sometimes they show up as as, as part of the high package very early in a coverage window. Those are not going to be seen by the person in, in the truck. So what happens if they show if those cameramen and producers spot something? What can they do about it? And if that affects the impact of a tournament or a cut, how will we as fans feel about it? And I've had people tell me. Oh, so you know, how do you, you know, people still watch football after the, you know, Jesse James incident and all this stuff. I'm like, but you're accustomed to rules of, uh, officials getting it wrong. We're not accustomed in golf to this happening. How's it going to make us feel? Yes, I mean, it, it could happen. That is totally possible that that could happen. And, and, and also, is there going to be an official at Augusta really watching the six different streams? Like, the TV feed, Amen Corner Live, 15 and 16 Live, Feature Group 1, Feature Group 2. Like, really? But you also have to remember that, well, that's, that's oversimplifying it maybe on my part, but that a lot of golf is pretty standard. I mean, there, there are a lot of things that, I mean, 99% of what happens in golf is pretty easy to understand. There's no special rolling, you know, if you're, if you know the rules, generally speaking, you can do it. It's really those kind of 1% situations, and usually they're in precarious spots or with unique issues, you know, basically not in the fairway yeah. or not on the green. Now, Lexi Thompson's issue aside, yeah, that was on the green. But generally speaking, if you're in a weird spot, weird things happen. If you're in a normal spot, normal things happen. So... <laughs> I think that might help a rules official who's trying to view more than one stream or view more than one camera at, at one time. But that all said, they can, they're human beings too. They can miss things. Yeah. And if it turns out that they do and that has a, a tremendous impact on a tournament or if that's the difference between a player keeping the tour card or not, that, that is going to be a problem. It's just going to be a different problem than the ones we have had in the recent past when someone watching on TV had a better set of eyes than an official and caused some havoc in the tournament. Yeah, I mean, I'm totally in favor of this change, of, of both the scorecard change, which I think everybody is universally in favor of, and the change um, to Collins. But I just think that by not having any pipeline to submit information, we are entering a potential trouble spot. Um, and, 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 and look, let's face it, folks. 
Ryan and I both know about things that have never become public. I know about two suspensions that have never become public involving pro golfers. You probably know about things like that as well. And I don't want people's rules violations to start having to be like Twitter DM'd around because they were found by somebody and, and they had no way to publicly um, speak about it. You know, like, like, I think you see what I'm saying, right? Like, because we have no way of getting this information. There doesn't need to be a whisper campaign yeah. about rules violations just in the same way there might be about an anti-doping violation or a, yeah, or some kind of, you know... You know, that kind of deal. Yeah, some kind of poor favor. I mean, look... Jason Sobel said it flat out on, on the Part Train podcast when he was asked flat out, Dustin falling down the stairs has to be BS, right? And Jason goes, you have no idea how many different things I've been told about what really happened to Dustin Johnson at, you know, there. And I've tried to report on them and they've all had dead ends and that's why you've never seen that come out publicly because it's a, a non-starter for a story. Correct. And I've, I've had similar issues with uh, with uh, Jason. With I've probably heard three, at least three different, seemingly credible variations of what happened, why it happened, what really happened, uh, what what led to it, all that stuff. And I, yeah, it is completely unverifiable because the only person that I can guarantee that could tell me is Dustin Johnson and maybe Austin. Kelly. So. Yeah, maybe Austin too, but he's not going to talk. Paulina's not going to talk. Butch is not going to talk. Nope. Yeah. Nobody's going to. No, nobody has any business interest in talking. So why would they? And yeah. that'll be the stuff of legend that makes its way around, and someday someone who knows what's up will will say what happened, and then we'll have a laugh about it when we're. Know, 20 years down the line. Yeah, because slipping down the stairs just does not, it seems so weird, and that's why this is still a story even now as to what happened to uh, Dustin at Augusta last April. Alright, 2017 brought us, and some people knew about him, some people didn't, but the Wesley Bryans and the, and the Xander Shoffleys and the, for some can't lay, you know, some who are fairly new and forget what he did back in 2011. Um, guys like that. Who are those guys for you in 2018? For me, it's 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 two names. It's Bo Hostler, who thanks to Golf Channel and the NCAA, as a lot of people know, and for the same reason, it's Aaron Wise, who is the single most impressive college player I've seen in my time watching the NCAA's on Golf Channel. What what he did on his home course with a gallery watching to win the individual title and then help Oregon win the team title. Both of those were super impressive to me. Those are th- th- those are my two guys who I think everybody will be talking about in golf by the end of 2018. I, I definitely think Bo Hostler will be one of those guys. I mean, he, he started to figure it out pretty quickly in the fall you know, the fall portion of the schedule. He was putting together top ten finishes and, and contending. I mean, he could could have easily won in Vegas if he had just had a better final round. Yeah, and that was a, a bit of a crapshoot because of the weather, but. Um, he's going to figure it out. He's going to win on the PGA Tour this year. I, I'm almost certain he's going to win on the PGA Tour in 2018. Uh, Aaron Wise is certainly a great player, down a level because he's not necessarily going to play full-time 
won the PGA Tour, the Web.com Tour, is Maverick McNeely. I think he's going to pan out and be really good. Yeah. He's just got to figure out how to be a pro and can he do it in an accelerated way where he can figure it out with the starts that he has available to him as a non-member on the PGA Tours or are you going to have to go through a whole season on the web and, and get through that to come to the big stage or is he maybe going to win pretty early and have it all sewed up that he will get back and that he can kind of focus on it. That'll be an interesting story to me. Those are the, the guys I'm, I'm looking at most. Um, yeah, I think between those three guys and then this is not exactly in the same wavelength, but Tommy Fleetwood's going to come over and play the PGA Tour. So I'm, I'm interested to see with what he's been able to accomplish the last two years in particular in Europe, whether that's going to translate here or not. You know, Terrell Hatton had such a great start to 2017, and then he fell off the map. Mm-hmm. Um, Tommy Fleetwood had a back. really good... What? And then he came back. Yes, <laughs> at the very end. Uh, Tommy Fleetwood had a great second half of 2017. Mm-hmm. But I, 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 I don't know if he's got the game. I mean, now he's the face of the European Tour app. I'm, I, I am not sure if you have that app or if you saw its update today. But John Rahm, Fleetwood, and Justin Rose are the three guys on the face of that app. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, it's not Stenson. It's not Rory. Uh, and, by the way, we... Forgot John Rahm in that conversation. I mean, come September, he's you know he'll be the face of the Ryder Cup, probably in my opinion. Maybe alongside Thomas Peters, um, as the kind of young guys, you know, trying to make their mark on that team. Um, but can he continue this in the 2018? We saw what happened with Hideki Matsuyama. He peaked at the wrong time of the year last year. Sorry, it didn't pay off in a major. Uh, that was Justin Rose in 2017. Um, and he also traveled a bazillion miles at the end of 2017. Um, how's his body feeling going into 18? That's an interesting question. Um, but Fleetwood's an interesting guy. Uh, he's a very, very interesting guy. So that leads us back to Mr. Woods. You were adamant, as was I, that Hero was too much too soon. We were worried. We were concerned. We were very passionate. I sat in the same chair while talking to you about it. And lo and behold, Tiger put on a freaking show at the Hero in the Bahamas. Um, yeah. And had ball speed of 180. He was hitting that in his shoot with Golf Digest uh, shortly after that. Still, so that was not a fluke when he was testing TerraMate equipment. Um, so here we are, 2018. Yeah. He's going to play. Uh, I fully think that if he shows the game that he had in the Bahamas, now he's at the point where he can work out the kinks. And as long as he doesn't do any travels to Dubai, which which uh, Joey said basically he's almost assured him will not happen, I think Tiger can win in 2018. Uh, it's possible. I mean, anything is possible. Let's, let's, let's stipulate that. Anything is possible. That is true. Uh, it's hard for me to say, to make that leap from finishing effectively in the middle of the pack, but finishing well in an 18-man event that he was probably the only guy really grinding on until Ricky decided to shoot 51 on Sunday. Yeah. But, you know, so you kind of have to take certain pieces at certain value, right? I mean, he drove the ball pretty well. He hit irons well, putted pretty well. Some stubby chips, but the grass was kind of weird, and Bermuda's weird, so, you know, that's okay. 
and he was much better after Thursday. Yeah, and he started to kind of get some feel back and, and competitive feel chipping, so that, that's all right. So then the questions I had coming out of that were, can he do this uh, with some frequency? You know, how often is he going to be able to play? Not only how often is he going to be able to play in private, where he, if he chooses, can take a cart, can wear shorts, can stop after nine, can do all those things you can do at a country club round, versus how often is he going to go out on the PGA Tour and be able to, to go through the stress of playing tournament golf because that is way more of an exacting thing to play a round of tournament golf where you're walking and every shot matters, you've got to care about the rules, there are people, all, all that stuff that makes a difference. You know, what's the energy level going to look like after that? Um, you know, if he does it two times in four weeks, if he does it three times in eight weeks, it, what, what can he do? And if we can establish with that baseline is what's that mean for his ability to regularly contend in golf tournaments because he feels like his game is tournament ready and he's got you know, enough of the so-called reps that he feels in position to be able to, to close one out. And I, I, those are also looming questions for me. So I'm reluctant to make that leap to, all right, I'm pretty sure he's going to win sometime in 2018 from what we saw at Hero. That all said, there are positive foundations there that if he can build upon them a little bit with a little bit more uh, work, a little bit uh, in terms of competitive fire, you know, starts, then maybe, maybe it's possible. But I, I, I'm so reluctant to go on a leap because we've been burnt so many times we have. in just the last several years about what's going to happen next with Tiger that I, I'm just, I'm going to sit back and hopefully be able to enjoy it because hopefully it'll be good. I'm going to go out on a leap, okay? Okay. And I, have, I give you permission to record this audio and rip me to shreds on your blog in front of 7 billion people. I think there's a chance, not a great chance, but a chance Tiger has a better year than Justin Thomas. I love Justin Thomas, but I think that... I think Justin... Is it, it, there's a possibility Justin has a Spieth 2016-like year. Not that he'll do the, the travel like Spieth did because he learned his lesson from his bro. But I think that Tiger could win once or twice, have a bunch of top fives. I don't think he'll contend in a major. And I think Justin ends up with a win or two but doesn't contend in a major. So I think they have equal there's a chance they have equal years and or Tiger surpasses. Uh, that's... That's hard for me to see. It's out there. It's out there. I'm not saying it's not possible. Golf's a funny game. Uh, stranger things have happened. So I'm not going to dismiss it, but uh, my crystal ball doesn't see it that way. But then again, uh, like I said, stranger things have happened before. And uh, with the way Tiger has an advantage of up, over Justin in that, one, he's not the player of the year, so there's, he's not the face of the tour anymore. Yeah. There are none of those kinds of expectations for Tiger. None of that same kind of pressure. I mean, everyone's kind of written him off. He's a 42-year-old guy with four back surgeries. So there's <laughs> nothing to prove to anybody week to week. So all of that kind of works in Tiger's favor compared to someone like Justin Thomas, who has a major to defend, a FedEx Cup to defend, five titles to defend, potentially gets world number one for the first time in his career. 
uh, you know, with a couple of wins basically early on in the year, you could probably do that. So it, it, it's possible that if Justin Thomas doesn't live up to those expectations or wilt in the face of them a little bit, that 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 could happen. But then again, you have to get on that other side of the uh, of the coin and make sure the Tiger has the, the kind of year that you're thinking he could have and, and that his back holds up and all that ha- holds on. That's big question marks on both sides, I guess. I'm crazy, but you knew that. Ryan Ballinger, Golf News Net, start of uh, another year. This is. Did you come on for the first time in 2010 or 2011? Uh, I think 2010. Yeah, so this is the start of our ninth year of having you on the show. A show that celebrated 10 years in existence last year, um, uh, last September. Ryan, Happy New Year. It's always a pleasure. Thanks for coming on Teeing It Up. Thanks, Jeremy. Appreciate it. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you.